The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony, to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth, and we have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. John bore witness to him and cried, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord You may be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Where are you from? St. John puts this question in the mouth of Pilate as he attempts to sift through the accusations made against Jesus. Toward the end of John's gospel, Pilate asks him, where are you from? Each of the gospel accounts in their own unique ways attempt to give answer to this question along two planes. The first is the origin of Jesus in this world, in the flesh of Mary. And the other is the eternally begotten Son of God, the one through whom all things were made and in whom all things have their being. Where are you from? Pilate asks Jesus. He's unnerved because he cannot fully account for the man in front of him. Even in the genealogies given to us in the other gospel accounts, there is a radical disruption the lineage of Joseph is distinctly not the lineage of Jesus. 
Because Jesus was brought forth from the virgin, not by blood or of the will of man, but by the generative power of God. As I've told you before, the scriptural writers were so immersed in a symbolic world that when they write, it's as if every line, every word is a hyperlink that cascades out into horizon upon horizon of deeper meaning. And our gospel lesson this evening is perhaps the most poetically beautiful, theologically dense, and symbolically rich of such texts. In the history of Christian art, each evangelist, the writers of the four gospels, are given a symbol. And for St. John, the symbol is the eagle, the most clear-eyed of creatures who soars far above the heads of all other creatures. St. John is taking us up for a flight, up and out of the atmosphere, outside of time itself. Already there in the beginning is the Word, with God and being God. Where are you from, Pilate asks. What's your origin story? John is winking at us here. The Word who was with God and is God in the beginning does not have an origin story. He is the origin story of all that exists. This text is so packed with things, uh, it should only take me like two hours to get through it all. Yeah, right, like I could even do it in that amount of time. I just want to look at a couple of things, a couple of images here that John gives us um, as we continue on in our worship together. The first image that John uses that I'd like to look at is that of light. He says that Jesus was life and that that life was the light of all people. He tells us the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. In his commentary on the creation account in Genesis, Origen waxes eloquent, telling us how Jesus is the source of light, the sun which gives light to the world. And he goes on to describe the church as the moon, the lesser light which reflects the greater glory of her Lord. And then the patriarchs and the prophets and the saints are the stars of the sky, illuminating the darkness with the radiance of Christ's glory. As you no doubt remember from your fifth grade science class, without the sun, life on planet Earth is impossible. This would simply be a giant ice rock and nothing more. Our scientific knowledge has given us greater understanding of the processes by which the light and heat of the sun facilitate growth and life on earth. But in my opinion, the hows are not nearly as interesting as the whys and wherefores. As I've said before about the, the matter, the physical matter involved in sacraments, the wine, the bread, the water, the oil, we often tend to think of these things backwards. We tend to think that wine and bread and water and oil are things ready at hand in the world, and so the church just built up rituals to make use of them. But really, it's, it's the opposite. The emphasis goes in the other direction. Why does water wash things? You ever wondered? I mean, not how, but why. Why does water wash things? The scriptural answer is ultimately because God will wash us with the laver of regeneration. Why does wine make our hearts glad? It's because God will intoxicate us forever in joyful intimacy with himself. Why does bread sustain our strength? 
Because Christ himself is the bread come down from heaven. Why do we need to drink water to live? It's because Christ himself is the living water that will sustain us eternally. The entire world is an epiphany of God, and it was always meant to be the means of our communion with God. The sun gives warmth to the earth, which gives life to the fruit of the earth, which gives light to our eyes, allowing us to perceive the world around us. The sun doesn't exist to facilitate our independence. It exists as a picture for us of Christ, the true light, born into a world of darkness that we might be given life, that we might be illuminated fully and become once more fully human. Another image that John uses is that of the tent or the tabernacle. When he says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, what the word really means is that he pitched his tent among us. He tabernacled among us. When Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt, they passed through the Red Sea, which is a picture of baptism, and they entered into the wilderness to give worship to the true and living God. And as Moses encountered God on the holy mountain, he was given instruction for the people to bring offerings unto the Lord in order to build a sanctuary, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, in order, God says, that I may dwell among them. That's what this tent is for. And the people, we're told, are to bring a variety of precious things, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarns, fine linen and leather, wood, oil, incense, gems, and precious stones. The tabernacle, and subsequently the temple, was to be a microcosm of God's creation. It was a little living representation, an icon of the whole universe. And as such, it was to be filled with beauty, righteousness, justice, and love. And God said to Moses, in accordance with all that I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so you shall make it. And as John hints for us here, and the writer of Hebrews will later make explicit, Jesus himself is that pattern. He is the archetype the true form of the tent of meeting, the dwelling place of God among his people. Do you see how all of these things start to fold in on each other? The tabernacle, the temple, the garden of Eden, the sun and the moon, the entire created order that God spoke by the word into existence. It's all patterned on Christ, the true man. Christ, true God. This is why Father Alexander Schmemann can say that Christianity is the end of all religion, because it was never about having a little side of vegetable religion next to your prime rib life to sort of fill out your plate. No, the entire thing from the word go has been about communion with God himself. That is why there is something rather than nothing. And the message of the church has never been one of a religion among competing religions. Rather, the life of the church in all of her sacraments and ritual and proclamation has been John the Baptist, bearing witness to the light. She has been a reflection of the true light that enlightens all people and brings life to the world. Jesus Christ, who is the very image of God himself dwelling among his people. The message of the church 
is that Christ, who is the origin of all things, in his arrival in the flesh, bestows upon all who believe in him a re-established origin in God himself, a new beginning as fresh and total as the birth of a child. But this birth, much like Christ's own virgin birth, isn't dependent upon the will of man or the power of human flesh to self-generate. It is an origin, a birth, a new life brought about by the Spirit, the same Spirit who hovered over the waters of creation as the Word brought forth life, the Spirit who hovered over Mary as the Word knit for himself a body, that same Word who didn't simply reanimate his body after death, but in the power of the divine Spirit brought humanity into the realm of resurrection. That is the new life that is offered to those who will believe that Jesus Christ is God, tabernacled among us. The message of the church is that we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.